Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three. And that means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football or recruiting questions. If you want to submit a question, just download our app, Keystone Sports, from the App Store. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. Press it. Fill in your question. It's that easy. And this week's winner of the Ask T. Frank segment, which is where we pick out the best question, you're going to receive a copy of a great book. It's called Why Penn State. It's by Greg Woodman. It's available now at whypennstate.com, featuring rare photos, essays, a decade's worth of exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. It explores how the 1980s at Penn State helped define the why behind we are. You can order your copy today, again, at whypennstate.com. Dot com. That 80s decade, that was my era, T. Frank. Yeah. You weren't even alive then, were you? No, I was not. Although I did get, I, I, I was raised by old people. So uh, I got, I absorbed all of the previous decades within my youth. So I am familiar with it. Not intimately, but, well, you know, I, I, I feel like I remember the 80s. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Dustin and I have been doing a history of Penn State football by the decades. We did the 80s a couple weeks ago. If you think about it, that's where the two national championships were, 82 and 86. 86, Penn State beat Miami, which was the most watched college football game ever. Mm -hmm. And it really put a lot of the dominoes in effect to where we are today with college football. Anyway, great book. You want to check it out. And our lucky winner will be able to get that book for free. And we'll figure that out now. So, T. Frank, let's get started. Let's start with Lee in Mount Lebanon who says, In James Franklin's uh, recent press conference, he was responding to a question about Manny Diaz and used the term voiceovers. Do you know what that t- term means and how it applies to defensive football? Well, I am I'm very aware of what voiceovers are, but... Um, a little again, a little bit of context clues here about what that means. So in the summer, Penn State coaches are not allowed to coach or interact with the players. So how do you convey information and still have them learn the offense? Well, voiceovers in our industry, Jim, are when you have a video and you've seen this on TV all the time. You see the video and somebody talking over and explaining it. So they are voicing over the video. So that's a voiceover. And that would be what I would assume that voiceovers are for football coaches. If they go in, they say, okay, like what, what you, uh, what coach Caduti does for, for, for the bloggy or for here, where you guys talk about that. That's all the voiceover. It's explaining with diagrams and voice, what we want to accomplish and how that looks and what your role is more specifically for the player in particular plays. So it's a way to learn and absorb information within the rules is what I would assume. Is this also part of, you know, James Franklin has talked about players who aren't there yet. Yes. Learning through Zoom. Yep. I would think, as you gave a good example, Coach Caduti, I know that you do them also, T. Frank, and they're fantastic. 
where you have the film, can talk over them to explain what's going on. You got the clicker and the rewind. Yes. <laughs> I don't have the fancy pretty... setup. To, to, I don't have huddle. I don't have that access and huddle. So I have to get more creative. But yes, that's 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 exactly what it is. We got to get Coach T. Frank the clicker with the rewind button on it. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to our next question. Let's go to Megan in Belfont. Megan says, we've been spoiled with great punters the last few years who's the front runner to win the job next this is something that my co-worker nate bauer was talking about on our show last week because we haven't really talked about it at all uh so penn state has a, a specialist coming in in the class very highly rated that can do both uh kicking and punting i think it's alex Pachetta. Uh, in this class I, I I should know that uh, but when it comes to special teams I so I'm very into the details of the offense and the defense and then when the special teams comes on the field I have a glass of water and I get some food and I you know I watch what happens but I'm not evaluating anything there because truthfully I don't know and it is so hard to play special teams that I've kind of just thrown my hands up and gone whatever happens on that play happens. Uh, but right now, Barney Amore and Gabe Nuosu are the two punters that are currently in spring. Uh, Amore is a preferred transfer, a non-scholarship transfer from uh, a lower level. And then Nuosu is six foot six. He was 300 pounds last year. He's 276 this year. He is a unit as a punter. Um, and those guys are the guys that are battling it out for uh, what they're doing right now in practice. But kind of like the offensive line, I think there's going to be new factors in the fall that will change this competition. But Barney Amore, I would imagine, as a guy who transferred here specifically to punt, would be the guy that has the inside track to be the consistent punter that probably is not at the level of Jordan Stout or Blake Gillikin. And I would I would assume that's pretty easy to say. Um but I think the hope there is that one of him or some of the other guys will rise to the top and be consistent. But uh, you alluded to it. There is the incoming freshman, what is it, Bichetta, who's coming in, I believe, from Georgia, who's very highly rated as a punter, and he he might be part of this competition when he gets here. Uh, T. Franks, it's unfortunate you said you uh, take a break whenever special teams comes up because this is kind of a special teams kind of week for questions. Oh, boy. We're, we're going to power through it anyway. Uh, Mike from Baltimore asked, Hey, T. Frank, I've got a couple questions about special teams. Who do you think are the best candidates for punt and kickoff returners? <laughs> and also... How will the kickoff coverage be affected now that Jordan Stout isn't booming the ball to Belfont? Could we see directional <laughs> kicks with more hang time? That's why that's why Megan was so interested in uh, in the punter because she's been fielding all the punts that land in Belfont. Um, <laughs> exactly. Who who is this question? This is Mike from Baltimore. Okay. Uh, so and he Mike says uh, just to clarify, he says in parentheses via the coal region. So gotcha. That means he he probably was raised in my backyard. Okay. Uh, well, that's odd uh, that he would live in your backyard and you wouldn't know him. Um, just kidding. That was a terrible joke. Anyway. Uh, it, it was pretty bad. The That one's a little bit easier. Nick Singleton, a five-star running back, the, one of the easiest ways to get the hands your, your the ball in the hands of a special player is to put him on punt return. And we've seen Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley and even Ricky Slade had the opportunity to return punts as a five-star or kickoffs as a five-star running back. And that's the skill set you need. 
straight line speed, violence through contact, be able to break into the open field and run away from people. That is kind of the the mold of a kick returner. As a punt returner, you want elusiveness, quickness, and then that ability to turn the gears on and get to a high speed. But you have to be able to make people miss in a short area, which is usually a DB or a receiver. Caden Saunders is uh, another guy that if he's not going to redshirt this year, and we'll figure that out later, it's too early to have that particular conversation, then punt return would be a great place to put him there. But there are more options this year than there have been previously, even with Jahan Dotson being very good and being a threat there. Um, some other guys, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Harrison Wallace is another guy that's going to have a chance because he is apparently a freak athlete, and that's always that was apparent on film, but he didn't do anything other than run in a straight line in his high school film, so learning more about his really special athleticism is kind of what we've heard over the last 18 months or 14 months. So those would be the guys at punt return. I think that one's a little more open, but I would say it's, it's Nick Singleton and then whomever else at, at kick return. I don't, I don't really... I don't know that I care. <laughs> it's going to be Nick Singleton. I believe you forgot to mention the most important attribute for that punt returner, which is catch the ball. Yeah. Yep. And have you ever been more comfortable with a Penn State punt returner than Jahan Dotson? It's, he does, forget about dropping the ball. He doesn't even bobble it. Yep. It, it. I was just always confident that was never an issue yep. when Dotson was back there. That's what I, I want to look for in a punt returner. All right, T. Frank, let's go to Steve in Chicago. He says, I appreciate how you explain football to the common fan. That must be us, T. Frank. Well, you guys are, you're not common. You're, you're exemplary. But anyway. Ah, go on. Anyway, Steve asks, can you explain what a defensive line stunt is and why the offensive line struggles when stunts are done? And how can the offensive line counter those stunts? Keep up the great show. So it's just an ex- it's an exchanging of responsibilities. Um, so it's to try and get a free rush for the for the defensive line. So I'll try to paint a word picture here. The defensive end crashes in going inward towards the quarterback, while the defensive tackle loops around him, and they exchange gaps. So uh, a gap, b gap, c gap are the primary gaps in the offensive line, starting from the center, working out. The defensive end normally is in the C-gap, on the outside of the tackle. If he dips inside and the tackle comes outside of him, what they're trying to do is trying to get the defensive end to take up two blockers and the defensive tackle to loop around in a very um, efficient path to get to the quarterback and get a free hit on the quarterback. The offensive line communicates and passes off those responsibilities. So the tackle's responsible for the outside guy. He's dipping inside, so I take him physically and hand him to the guard. And then the guard takes him and passes off the defensive tackle to the offensive tackle, who then works back outside to his normal responsibility. So that takes film work, that takes communication, that's the chemistry we talk about when we talk about the offensive line needs to have chemistry. Because you can't be talking out loud and talking through these things as they happen. And you can have stunts that come from the other side of the line of scrimmage. So the offensive line is bisected in the center, the nose of the center, and then it's the left side and the right side. So the center is actually responsible, depending on the situation, maybe for two gaps to help 
uh, either way, depending on what happens. So that's another area for the offensive line to get confused, which is why you want a veteran player at the center position to know the protection, to know where the stunts are coming from, and to anticipate these problems before they arise so he can help the guard uh, with his exchange with the with the with the defensive end, so he's going to body up to the inside of the guard to give him a little bit more support in that transition, so the offensive tackle can then release and go to the outside. You can get blitzes, things like that, that are also part of stunts. So there's a lot of different ways you can attack the offensive line, and it's about communication and it's about the athleticism to then react to the second responsibility kind of like in run blocking so those are the ways that you work through those problems on the offensive line and how the defensive line attacks that and you can call it a stunt you can call it a twist you can call it a game they're all relatively the same thing they're in the same idea bucket for the for the defense and it seemed like something this offensive line struggled with quite a bit especially at the beginning of the year yes we need a winner t frank um, well, I, I need to make up for my lack of special teams interest. Let's go with Megan and Belfont about the punters. Okay, very good. Megan, you win uh, the book. Why Penn State? And we'll be getting in touch with you soon. All right, that is it for quarter number three. Stick around in quarter number four. We still have some more recruiting talk to do. Hi, this is Ted Brand. I'm a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees, and I'm up for re-election along with Barb Duran and Bill Olsey. And one of our goals is, again, to freeze or even reduce tuition. And the way to do that is cut costs and get more students at the Commonwealth campuses, which would generate as much as $180 million. Re-elect trustees Ted Brown, Bill Olsey, and Barbara Duran. Vote trustee ballot positions 238. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel here to tell you about the great trip we're offering this fall for the Penn State Auburn game. In addition to charter flight and staying at the team hotel, we're also partnering with Keystone Sports Network. You'll have a chance to join Jim and Dustin as they record their show on site and even get the chance to ask your questions and be a part of the show. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. 